A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. What I do every time I'm out and I have my laser, I flash it at a star that's in the night sky, like a, like a pulse, and then I turn it off. So that there's a length of light. So if you leave the light on for one second, right. there's a beam that's 186,000 miles long. Right. Okay. And so that is on its way to that, to that star and maybe to a planet. That is see it. so cool. Yeah. That so it's, so my, it's my space graffiti. There you go. I'd say Neil is here. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Cosmic Queries, fan favorite Cosmic Queries. And this is the grab bag edition. Chuck, you ready for it? Always loving a grab bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The grab bags are fun because they're just. They're like it's random, whatever. You know? They just dance around. That's it. And they keep me on my toes. I slide. I haven't seen yes. these questions. So they have the random beauty of a snowfall. I don't know what that means at all. It means you never know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to snow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your attempted poetry? Okay. You got a yeah. C plus on that one. All right. All right. Give them to me, Chuck. Let's go yeah. right in. All right. Here we go. This is uh, Bjorn Furunap who says, you're Dr. Tyson and Lord Nice, because uh, you asked for profound questions. Did I? Here's I one. No, you I did not ask fo- for profound questions. <laughs> for profound questions. <laughs> uh, All right. I bring it on. I, I, maybe I did. Bring it on. <laughs> you no, never I, simple, I, impugn the questions correct. no matter how they correct. come in, what correct. they ask. You treat every question with dignity, uh, with, as with if, dignity. if as if it were worthy of being yes, answered. Yes, because they are not as if. It's because they are. Okay, I know what <laughs> I said. <laughs> All right, give it to me. All right, he says we seem to focus for obvious reasons on the what and the how of the universe, the why, 
never seems to get much scientific attention because it assumes, I imagine, that there is a purpose which physics does not really need. With that in mind, is not the why an important factor for human curiosity? And should we not then seek to not necessarily find a reason for the universe, but encourage those who seek purpose and thus understanding? Okay. And it's philosophical. Just at this time of the morning? I know, he went, you know, hey. So you don't need a why, is what he's saying, but shouldn't we still ask why? So, I have a response for that. I've thought deeply about this, by the way. All right. So, uh, in physics, we declare full understanding of something when we can account for all the behavior we've seen it exhibit and predict all future behavior that it might uh, undergo. And we mm-hmm. know what it'll do when we poke it, when we heat it, when we freeze it. Mm-hmm. And we say, we understand this thing. I know what you, I did, know last what you did last I know what you will do. So let's take gravity mm-hmm. for an example. Okay? So right. you can say, well, what is gravity? How does gravity work? And then you say, well, why is gravity? You can go in this sequence, I suppose. And I'm, I will, I'm here to tell you that we can launch space probes from Earth, a moving target, and hit mm-hmm. a moonlit around an asteroid, point blank, having sent a space probe to where it will, would be when they both got to the same point at the same time. Yes, it is rocket science. Yes, it is involved a precise understanding of gravity. Mm-hmm. We're good with that. If you want to try to now understand why, you know, why did the why did the spacecraft hit its target? Because we mm-hmm. did the calculations and we gave it the right acceleration and we knew where the target was when it was going to get there. That's why it hit. No, but I love that joke, by the way. Why did the... Never mind. I'm sorry. Why the asteroid crossed the road? Was it? Well, yeah, because the way you said it was like, why okay. did the ticket cross the road? And then your answer was, because we did the calculations and we saw exactly where it was going to hit. Like, My favorite answer to why did the chicken cross the road is, um, can't the chicken cross the road without having its motives questioned every time? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me give you the blunt no, yeah. version of that. Why did it... Why did the ticket cross the road? Why are you in my business? <laughs> <laughs> Who asked you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Why? That's why. That's, the, that's why. All right. Uh, so, so, so. The, the point is, you can say, let's say uh, a, you, you, the pie is up on a table and it falls to the ground. You say, why did the pie fall to the ground? And I can say, well, because you pushed it. That should be sufficient response to that why question. Okay? Well, you pushed it, but there's a little more going on. If we were floating in space and you pushed it, it wouldn't fall at all because Mm. there's no net gravity vector there that will have the thing fall. It'll just be in free fall. It'll just float. So, So there are plenty of questions where the why is a completely satisfactory answer. We, we can give you a why for it. 
okay? Um, why were you T-boned at the intersection? Because you ran the light. Okay? <laughs> there, there is no end of questions for which the why, there's no end of, of situations for which the why question has a completely legitimate answer that we're all satisfied with. Okay? Right. It becomes an issue yes. if you try to get, take a philosophical step and then try to explore why as the consequence of intent. Gotcha. In so doing, you are handing intent to things that might have no intent at all. And therefore, you are forcing an intent where there might not have otherwise been one. And therefore, you're forcing an answer. And now you're chasing ghosts at that point. Right. Right. And he answered his question, and you just confirmed it. He, he said, it's not necessary. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is, for the purposes of science, if what we're really concerned about is science, we don't well, need well, that. Well, or I have answers that are science that are satisfactory answers to the question That why. are satisfactory, right. I don't, and I should have said that too. I don't need to go beyond that because the science has been well, satisfied. Well, well, or so beyond you're that, satisfied because I have a scientific answer for why something happened. Okay? Right. Why is because, uh, right. Earth warming? Because we are adding greenhouse gases to That's the chemical to, mixture to the in the atmosphere. atmosphere. That is a complete right. contained answer to the question why. Right. So mm -hmm. I will not... Mm -hmm seed the accusation that science is not about why. I will not say that. Right. There are plenty right. of why questions where we are all completely content with the scientific answer for it. Right. And so, there you go. And like you said, going beyond that, you're creating a dragon and then chasing the You created the dragon, the dragon correct. Right. You created the dragon and you want and to give meaning and significance to the existence of the dragon you created where there was never a dragon there to begin with. There you go. Well, look at that, Bjorn. You started off by saying that you were going to ask a profound question. I got to give it What to I you. do want to say is, because one of them is, what is the meaning of life? That's not a why uh -huh. question. That's a what. That's okay. not a why. And I might say, that meaning is the, what you make of it, given that you have power over objects and events and things and places and people in your influence. You can create meaning rather than just simply look for it. Most people are looking for meaning like it's under a rock or behind a tree. And then they spend their whole lives right. in search of meaning. And I'm saying, make the meaning and mm -hmm. derive your meaning from that. Now you might okay. say, why should we have meaning in life? I would say, in our experience, people with more meaning in their life lead a more fulfilled life. And to be fulfilled is in our short time on earth, maybe something we should all seek so you can have a better time. Why do you want a better time? You can keep doing this, but I would ask yes. you, what is the end game of that? Where will you be satisfied with your sequence of asking why? Because if you're never satisfied, then you're not useful on the moving frontier of science where we can land a target in a, a, a moving in space. Where we can right. take pictures of the early universe in a telescope parked a million miles in in orbit 
around Earth, a million miles from Earth, called the James Webb Space Telescope. While mm -hmm. you're asking questions, we are answering questions. While you're asking why questions in the dragon that you just created, we are answering questions and advancing civilization. So, uh, yes, mm -hmm. I am discounting many people who are asking why about many things. But so many mm -hmm. other things where you ask a why, the answer when drawn from science or even from culture or whatever else is a perfectly satisfactory answer that no one would further question. Well, there you have it. That was very, very necessary. Yeah, yeah. All, of the, all of that that you just said, very, very necessary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it speaks to so many other things than just this question from Bjorn. Yeah, yeah it does. It's, There's it's, so it's, many it's, other it's, things. It's, yeah. It stretches beyond the limits yeah. of the question itself. Yes. Wonderful. Wow, Keep good stuff. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let's go to our next one, which is Jay Salmon. Um, or is it Salmon? I don't know. I don't know anybody who pronounces the L in salmon. Yeah. Neither yeah. do I. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, well the salmon rusty. Anyway. S-A-L-M-A. Oh, salmon. you're right. Yeah. That is salmon yeah. rusty. Yeah. Okay, so he says, when matter is consumed by the black hole, does it retain its form as protons, neutrons, etc., or is it compressed and ripped apart? to the more basic elements of the particles, like quarks, I can et answer cetera, that very quickly. We don't know. Ne next Ooh. question. <laughs> there you go. Let's move on. <laughs> no, no. So, um, <laughs> matter and all the identity it carries as it goes down to the singular, it's the singularity where we're just, it, we're idiots. That's, that, that's unfair. It's a singularity where we have profound ignorance. All right? And right. Einstein's theory of relativity, which gives us the black hole in the first place, does not take us to the singularity. It's a limit to the theory of relativity. That's why we have string theorists who are picking up the slack there. We do not know what happens to matter at the singularity. We just don't. We do know that the black hole remembers what it ate because Hawking radiation, where particles come into existence from the energy mm -hmm. of its gravitational field just outside the event horizon, that gravitational energy through equals mc squared spontaneously becomes a pair of particles. One side of that particle falls back in, the other side escapes. If you get the inventory of the particles created out of the gravitational energy field, that inventory mm -hmm. of particles exactly equals the history of what the black hole ate. Remarkably, somehow the imprint of what it ate is remembered in the gravitational field of the black hole itself. Yes. Damn. It's that's profound. Pretty, that's it's pretty profound. wild. That is just Because wild. you didn't reach back in and pull it out. It was... No. It, it appeared, appeared out of the, the energy outside the event horizon. It's like, oh that. my gosh. And of course, Stephen Hawking was at the centerpiece of that. Yes. That's amazing. Hawking See, radiation, Hawking, rest the in, evaporation rest of a black hole. We, we actually had him on Star Talk back when we were, uh, uh, we were on the uh, National Geographic channel. And you might be able yeah, to dig it out. That's in, right. in, I guess Disney Plus has the entire Net Geo catalog. Yep, they do. Uh, but yeah. Mm -hmm. it's good yeah. stuff, mm. man. That is good stuff. All right, here we go. 
Colby Lapresi from South Carolina. Right. And Colby says, once again with the black holes, if a black hole was smaller than my body, beyond the event horizon in all directions, would it still rip me apart atom by yes. atom? Don't ever, no, just stay away. <laughs> because what matters is not the size of the black hole, how much mass. So if Earth right. were a black hole, it would be the size of a plum. Right. So take all the mass of the Earth, cram it into a plum, and you want to walk by Damn. it and believe you're going to stay intact, that is not mm. going to happen. It will suck you in and it will funnel you down and you'll be spaghettified, funneled, and that's it. And just kiss your ass goodbye. Look at that. Because you wonder how something your you, size can fit into something that small. The very fabric of space-time narrows towards the black hole. So you will be funneled, basically extruded through the fabric of space and time like toothpaste that, through a tube. That's crazy, man, when you yeah. think about it. It's, that's, uh, it's so hard to just like you, to, to really fathom it. Yeah, to have a that. black hole that fits the, in your palm you, of like, your hand, and then it sucks you down into a tiny point. It sucks you. It's oh, I mean, it's really it's it's oddly terrifying and beautiful yes. at the same yes. time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, you're not okay. getting out of that one. All right, so here we go. Distance. We're 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 banging them out, banging them out here. Alan Rayer. Alan Rayer says, "Can someone address uh, the comet C two hundred two two E 3 Hey, Neil, just want to let you know I'm a big fan. And I'm coming to you from the Isle of Malta. Oh, my gosh. Cool. Well, when we come back from our first break, we will address that question on Star Talk. That's Query. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. 
Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Query Grab Bag Edition. Chuck, we left off with Grab someone bag. asking me about Comet. What's the, what number did they? What's the number? Uh, our good man, Alan Rayer from the island of Malta in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. wants to know. Hey, what's the deal with uh, C two o two two E three? He gave me the he gave the me the comet. phone number of the comet. Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, that's been called the the Great Green Comet of twenty twenty three. By the way, the, those right. that ID is uh, includes the year it was discovered twenty twenty two, and the semi month mm-hmm. it was discovered. So there's there's that that ID is packed with information for someone in the know to know when it was discovered, and so right A, B, this comet, based on its orbit, uh, it comes from what's called the Oort cloud. This is a this is a spherical shell of comets that surrounds the solar system, but it extends halfway to the nearest stars. And comets that come from this can come in from any direction at all. They yeah. can loop in from above, from below, and their orbits last tens of thousands of years. There is no comet that we see from the Oort cloud that was ever seen in the history of civilization. So wow. you might say to yourself, well, I'd better go out and watch it. Well, every Oort cloud comet is that. So it's, it's possible for something to be rare, but uninteresting. Okay. Because they're common. There you go. Right? Right. There's this, just right. keep that in mind. So uh, with this comet, it's made the news primarily because there's a chance people could see it. And right now, like last night, it would be uh, among the days of peak visibility. I looked up. I didn't see it. I'd have to find it with binoculars. So uh, it's got a lot of press attention. By the way, we discover hundreds of comets a year. So a comet alone is not some, you know, don't invest special attention to the existence, to the fact that a comet was discovered. They're as common as as blades of grass on a lawn. Uh, there's trillions of them that orbit the sun. So A. B, the, the, uh, many comets are very faint, and you might catch it with binoculars, and you can see the green in a telescope because it's a green comet. Remember, our retina has rods and cones, and the rods yep. are sensitive to shades of gray. The cones are sensitive to color, but they require higher intensity light in order to get triggered. So if you dim the lights in a room, if you look at a room in the dark, but just light leaking in from a street light, something through the window, that room is not vibrantly colored. It's basically no. shades of gray. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Because your, mm-hmm. your, your cones, your rods 
are taking care of business there, just so you can see your way anywhere. Only when it gets brighter that you start registering the colors. So dim comets, no matter what color they are in a telescope, typically you don't notice that with your eyes, unless you can see them through a, a, a big telescope, okay, that can make the object bright enough to, to trigger your cones. So where to get the green from? The green. Well, we did an explainer on the comet. I think we did. We did. Yeah, we did an explainer. Yes, we did. So uh, cyanogen is one of the molecules that when it interacts with sunlight, gets warm, uh, radiates light. There are different ways a comet is rendered visible. And different chemicals will have different color signatures. And that's part of what tells us what comets are made of. Right? I mean, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. So I love me some comets, but most of them are just not, you know, they're not something you're going to write home about and say, we, we, you alive in the 20th? Yeah. I promise in your lifetime we'll have a really good comet because every 10 or 20 years or so, a really good one uh -huh. comes around. Right. I won't, wouldn't count this right. among them. Now, the real deal is uh, the action is where the asteroids are, my <laughs> friend. Don't worry about the comets. The action is with the asteroids. Yeah, but That's asteroids scary. are dark and That's they only like reflect light. And they're right. and even if they do reflect, they're dark, so they don't reflect much light. So they can come up on you and you wouldn't know it. Whereas comets, they See, here I am. Look yes, at my tail. Exactly. Look at my beautiful comets are like, yeah. You know, look at me, look at me. Asteroids are just like, yo, I said you <laughs> wallet. It's, it's, so <laughs> Hey man, where's your You said that from? way too glibly. Uh, <laughs> Give me your wallet. <laughs> 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 no, the more likely the asteroid is. All right. Is, Yo, give me all your species. Oh. Yeah, they have a talk. Tell me about, about the wallet <laughs> at that point. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if there's ever an asteroid big enough that would blow off the entire atmosphere because anything that hits the atmosphere, the atmosphere becomes like, 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 like the ocean or anything else. It's, it you know it it would have to be penetrated, so you if suppose you had something big enough that it hits the atmosphere, but it's so powerful that it blows the atmosphere off. But would it then be so big it would destroy the planet? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, right. uh, that was just so. No, here's the thing. Yo, yo, yo. That, um, the that way, was cold, get man. Of, that was cold. You, I know it was cold. <laughs> you want to get rid of the atmosphere? You you get enough asteroids hitting Earth to heat the atmosphere, and the hotter atmosphere expands, and we might lose some outer layers ah, because because yeah, the molecules start moving faster, right? And some will achieve escape Same, velocity, right? And so, um, but the and, and a large enough asteroid just punches a hole in the atmosphere. The right. real damage so, is. Because it, it doesn't leave its energy in the atmosphere. Gotcha. The energy, it'll barely be slowed down by the atmosphere. Gotcha. And then it hits Earth's surface, and that's where it stops moving. Hey, where did all the kinetic energy go? It made a crater. It burned the forest. Right. It, um, it, it became the, a shock wave, all that. Shock waves. That's, right. So you have to ask, where the, where, look at the energy budget. Where did it go? Where did it, that's okay. where the damage will occur. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. That was cool. All right, here we go. This is Nick Davis. He says, hello, uh, Dr. Tyson and Lord Nice. Um, this is Nick from Australia. I, I was wanting to know more about how gravity and its influence on time 
were to influence light on the hypothetical Myler's planet and interstellar. What would happen if someone orbiting outside of the time distortion were to point a super powerful laser pointer at the planet? Would the beam be dimmer? Or would the night sky look like for what would the light night sky look like for someone on the ground compared to someone in space? And let's take out atmosphere so that we don't have those distortions. So here's what interesting to do with your laser the next time you're trapped in a black hole. You can try to point your laser out of the black hole and see if anybody gets the signal. They won't. (laughs) Why not? Because it's climbing out of the gravitational well that the black hole is. And for every little bit it ascends, it's losing energy. So the energy profile of your laser will become lower and lower and lower energy until there's no energy left at all and the light does not escape. If you were just outside the event horizon and did the same thing, the light would escape, but it would also be shifted in energy. And it's called a gravitational redshift. Look at that. Gravity redshifts the light. And so that's, that's what would happen to the light. To the, this was only about light, or do they also ask about time? Well, yeah. So he started off saying, um, I wanted to know about gravity and its influence on time. Yeah. And light. So, and, and if he remembers from Interstellar, they're on a planet orbiting a black hole. Right. And they are severely time dilated. Yeah. So that minutes to them are years, years to the folks orbiting far out. That's right. That's that's the scene where he comes back and the guy is old, right? He's, he's, he's old, yeah. correct. Wow. Correct. And uh, it was subtle, but they got it in there. At the end, the, 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 what was it? The, they showed someone in a hospital bed or was it? Yeah, I, I think that was his daughter who was. Do- that's who was older. Who was older than he is. Correct. Correct. Because his, uh, so, so, because his life was prolonged for having been in a very intense gravitational field. Right. So, yeah, all these are real and you can calculate it. And by the way, we do this every day with GPS satellites. Mm-hmm. GPS satellites are in a different gravitational field compared with us. Yes, it's still Earth. But we are closer to Earth center than the GPS satellites are. So just the way they did in the movie Interstellar, except it's not a it doesn't have to be a black hole to mess with your time. It just will mess with it at a different level, at a, at a lesser amount. So our time on Earth is ticking more slowly than the time in GPS satellites. Right. And, and Yet that's, the GPS that's, satellite that's, is handing us our time. Right. Wow. So how is it that they match up? We have um, three... I know how. I know how. How? How, how they do? Because the GPS, um, they don't see P-Time. <laughs> see, a lot of y'all don't know about CP time. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you, Chad. But see, GPS, y'all don't know. They, <laughs> they down with CP time, and they cool with it. <laughs> they cool. And I'm not going to explain what that is. If you okay, know what Google it is, CP time. If you know what it is, you know what it is. If you the don't, Google CP times. <laughs> All right. So, Chuck, I don't uh, know. Do. <laughs> Chuck is still in race therapy. Hey, listen. Chuck is still in. <laughs> this stuff. All right. So, so the GPS satellites are, are no. You're saying that 
on Earth we'd be super time because the GPS satellites being in a different oh, low. Yeah, that's right. We're closer field. to the gravity, so we are slow. We're slow. Right. And the GPS satellite is ahead right. by a calculatable amount. Right. And so when it gives us our time signature signals, it pre-corrects it using the equations of Einstein's general theory of relativity fantastic. so that we get the proper time on Earth's surface. That's, that's just, oh, I'm telling you, it's just it's, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and people say, well, I don't believe in science. I don't want to do science. It's like, do you, really, do you, people, do you know what right. we do? Exactly. We're living? Exactly. Like, like, don't, let, don't get me started here, you, Like You can't even tell time. You talk, you're talking about, <laughs> you don't believe us. You can't even tell time. I don't decide. What do scientists know? Yeah, I'll tell what? you what they, they, they put crap in the sky that <laughs> calculates the time that you can't even tell. <laughs> that's, that's what science does. You got the nerve to sit around like, oh, you know, because seriously, do they really know? Do they really? I'm not sure they really know. Okay, okay. <laughs> that is Man. that is just so I just love that it's so elegant yeah. in the fact that it's you know establishing the time but then relaying the time after it equates what the time will actually be for you that's freaking amazing for you because it is touched by Einstein's general theory of relativity damn yes. oh that's just so good all right okay that's <laughs> so freaking cool man like what do people think scientists do I'm, right right exactly just sitting so, around so cool oh man all right yeah all right next one here we go this is Kyle Marston and Kyle says um I know how I perceive the universe and I know uh, you and Neil, you perceive the universe as well. And that our perceptions are pretty similar as biological entities from Earth. What insights do you have, Neil, uh, as we now have artificial intelligence? How will they perceive the universe around them? Like, are they going to go straight to Dan Simmons' Technocore or more like Tchaikovsky's Hive Assembly? Wow. Okay. Holy crap. Okay. I'm going to tell you so, the truth, Kyle. I'm sorry I read your question. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's pretty wild. Yeah, okay, so I have several ways to address that. One of yeah. them is, I don't know that people thought much about AI's sensory system. Ooh, very nice. Right? I, I so love where you're AI going. can AI feel pain? I love it. And can AI um, taste? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And so, but we know we can outfit it with capacity to hear and to see that is vastly greater than our own. Yeah. All right. And self-driving cars. And those are those are night. senses. These are senses. Correct. Right. So, so we can outfit AI. Right. With sense. I don't know that we can quite have them taste things. We Why not? To, Why not? Think about this. No, your we, olfactory sensors in your brain basically are um, responding to. A molecular stimuli. Yes, yes. So why Completely. wouldn't we be able to program what that molecular makeup is and then give the computer the same yes, response? Yes, we can. However, yes, we can. However, I, we just have centuries of efforts to improve our capacity of sight with microscopes and telescopes and to improve our capacity to hear with sensory devices and microphones. So... 
So we don't, we're much more behind in having machines that can taste. Let's put got, that okay, way. I got you. Okay. So, so we can have a machine that can analyze the chemicals of what's touching, of, of, you know, there's mass spectrometers right. that can analyze chemicals. We can say, if it's this much that, that tastes salty, right. this tastes sweet, right. and this is the umami, we could teach it that, I guess. Sure. But then it has to sort of bite into you, right? To, to taste it, right? It has to <laughs> need some mechanism to taste. All right, right. Right. right, it can't just be I a box what you're on, the, on the table. It'd be the difference between someone telling you what something tastes like Correct. and you putting it in your mouth and Correct. Taste. Right. Correct. Right. All right. And so, uh, because you can hand them all the ingredients that went into your pie, and then they can analyze those ingredients, and they say, mm, mm, good, I want some ice cream with that. In a pie a la mode, they might, do that, but would they want to? Right. right, right. Does AI have our urges? Does AI have our, you know, typically it's only thought of in terms of problem solving and this sort of thing. Right. Not in terms of receiving the sensory pleasures of what it is to be alive. Mm. But let me add to that, that in science, you know, there are people who run around and say, I have a sixth sense. And they want you to be impressed with that. And mm. I say, well, I'm a scientist and I have a dozen senses. Wow. Because I have sensors that can detect all manner of things happening around me that my five biological senses can't. I can detect polarization. I have a, a, a gravimeters that can detect slight differences in where the mass is beneath our feet. I can have things, I can have devices that can detect radioactivity that we cannot sensorily do. I can detect... um Wavelengths of light that fall outside of the yeah, visible, visible spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. All right. Wow. So I have dozens of senses. You're not impressing me with your sixth sense. Wow. Yeah. So why don't you take that little, uh, that little parlor trick back to your seance? Okay. I'm sensing someone who's passed with the letter J. <laughs> No, J is, a, is too rare a letter. You're right, because they never yeah. do that. It's always it's a letter D. S or T. It's S, T, or D. D yeah. S, T, D. Well, I shouldn't say them in, those, in that order. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah. Okay, so that's cool. So uh, I sense someone here with a relative that has an X in their name. You're right. Those, those, those seers don't Isn't last very long Isn't that funny? That's block. so funny. Yeah, they yeah. never do that. Okay, yeah. that's right. Well, or there you two. have it, man. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, so let me ask you this as a, a follow-up to Kyle's question. Do you think it's a good idea to, you know, and not, in a, not as a means of anthropomorphizing machines, but do you think there's any true benefit in giving them our sense of, Taste and smell and whatever emotion I want, and so whatever forth. Whatever it is, I want them to think that humans taste badly. <laughs> <laughs> it's people. It's people. It's people. I don't want them thinking that we're tasty snack. <laughs> that, that will not go over well. Oh, my God. That's so great. That's very funny. All right. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is Christopher Fowler. And he mm -hmm. says, to serve man. Yeah, oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Christopher Fowler says, hey, Neil, what's up, Lord Nice? Uh, first, I am just a huge fan of yours, Neil. 
Uh, thank you for providing the spark of curiosity to us commoners. Uh, second, thinking about the Stargate franchise, could there be a discovery in nuclear fusion advancements and understanding, and I use this term very loosely, of the quantum, being able to establish an Einstein-Rosen bridge for interplanetary and interstellar travel? Wow. So let me, let me first agree that we kind of need that if we're going to go between the planets. Right. And, and uh, no, not the planet, between the stars, stars and galaxies. Yeah, planets takes, you know, a dozen years. We can, that's within a human lifetime. But to the nearest stars, it's tens of thousands of years. We need a wormhole. Stargate is basically a wormhole. They didn't call it that, but that's what it was. Right. And except there was just this, this, this metallic ring that, you know, it's mixed with mysticism and magic and this sort of thing. So you step into the ring, like Time Tunnel, those who remember this from the late 1960s, you step into the ring and you're transported through time. The, the, do you know where they went in the very first episode of Time Tunnel? I do not. They went to the Titanic. Why? What is And, and, and the guy's on the ship of a, he's on the deck of a ship. And he's, oh, I'm on a ship. Because they got lost in time, right? Oh, so he's on a ship. That's great. And I wonder where he's at. And, and he walks by. And the camera moves with him, and then the camera moves back, and you see the life, the buoy that says Titanic. That's, that's great. And you say, oh, and because you know there was not a second voyage of the Titanic, right? So my boy's going down right. on, this, on this trip. And apparently they took a poll about um, if you could move through time, what historical event would you want to witness? And many people said they wanted to see the sinking of the Titanic. So it has been hypothesized that that's why the Titanic sank. Because when the time machine was finally invented, everyone went back to the Titanic and there were too many people for the lifeboats. Oh, that's funny. They were, because they were all time travelers and they all died. And you know what? If they wanted to go back in time to the Titanic, they deserved to die. No, That's all I'm going to say. Right. <laughs> all the places you can go, you're like, I want to go back to see a bunch of people drown. <laughs> Listen, you know... <laughs> I don't care how much you don't like rich people. <laughs> That's a little too macabre to want to go back to the Titanic. You get to, you got what you deserve. You right on there with them when it goes down. Okay? I hope I hope Leonardo DiCaprio grabs you by the head and pulls you right down with him. Just like, sorry, Grace. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> are, 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 are you done, Chuck? I'm sorry. I, I don't know where that came from. So it was just about the... The, the Stargate, the possible Stargate right. portal. Uh, we know how to make a, we know what is required to make a wormhole. Right. We just don't have this material. We, so it needs something, it needs the equivalent of negative gravity. Right. Negative energy substance. And we don't know what that is or how to make it. But if we had it, we could make a wormhole. We could do wormhole. it. There you go. Yeah. Great yeah, question. That's all. There you go. Yeah. All right. We got to take a break, Chuck. Uh, and when we come back, the third and final segment of Star Talk Cosmic Queries, Grab Bag Edition. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. 
Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We're back. Star Talk. Cosmic Queries. Grab bag. We left off that last segment. We were talking about Stargate. Chuck, do you know I have a cameo in Stargate Atlantis? I did not know that. I now, which, that was the TV show? Yeah, TV show. The TV oh, man, show. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what, what? Please tell me. And now I got to, you know, I got to look I'm an old up. friend of one of the characters and, and I can't act. So it's embarrassing. So I'm not, I shouldn't have told you. Oh, no, so no, it's not. Never mind. Okay. Let me tell you why it's not embarrassing. Why? Guess how many appearances I have on Stargate. <laughs> so Star to Stargate. hell with the haters, see? That's, <laughs> oh. what, that's what I say to haters. To hell yeah, with I mean, you. I, because it's a cameo, people give you a little more slack. It doesn't make a difference. It's so cool. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. shoot. Uh, please, I can't act either. And I've been in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm supposed to be an actor. <laughs> hired as such. Well, hired yes, okay. Before, and I still can't act. So guess what? <laughs> All right. You should be very proud. Don't ever shoot. Please. So next one. All right, here we go. This is Jason uh, Whitehair. Uh, who says, um... Greetings, Dr. Tyson, Lord Nice. With the expansion of the universe likely never ending and space-time with it, will individual galaxies be ripped apart by the expansion as objects get further apart from each other? Will individual bodies be then ripped apart and so forth? Mm. Yes. What? Ultimately, as galaxies spread apart, this... Pressure within the vacuum of space, we call it dark energy. Right. We don't know what it is, but it's there, and it's doing its thing. And it is most of what is driving the universe right now. That dark energy uh, will ultimately overcome the gravitational attraction of stars that are held together within galaxies. Right. So it'll start ripping apart galaxies. Then it'll rip apart star systems as it pulls planets away from their host stars. Wow. Then it will rip apart solid objects as the molecular bonds that hold the atoms together are broken. Then it will rip apart atoms where the electrons are ripped from their nuclei. Then it will rip apart nuclei. Then it'll rip apart the fabric of space and time on the Planck scale. And at that point, it's the end. That is called the Big Rip. And that will take place in 22 billion years unless something stops it. Sleep well, Timmy. <laughs> Have a nice day. Jeez. <laughs> God, that's awful. It starts ripping apart protons themselves. Wow. Right. This is, this is serious stuff. Look at that. that. By the way, when that begins to happen, it happens rapidly. So it's a, you know, once starts things getting flying apart, it's because the more vacuum there is in the universe, the more is this pressure to accelerate it. Gotcha. Right? So it's, it's a runaway process. So, okay, gotcha. Yeah, right. It's, a, it just, it's like a snowball rolling downhill. Snowball. It just keeps Correct. going boom, boom, boom. Bigger, 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 bigger. Bigger, bigger. Look and the bigger it is, the bigger it gets. Look at right. that. That is insane. And it's called the Big Rip. <laughs> By the way, in our second Star Talk book, guess what it was titled, Chuck? Uh, no, go ahead. Cosmic Queries. 
In our second oh, yeah, Star Talk that. book, thought, okay. uh, one of the questions is, what is the future of the universe? And we show all the scenarios that, and one of them is the big rip. It's the big rip. So if you get that book, you have way more conversation about it than anything I just laid down to this report. Fantastic. The Cosmic Queries. Cosmic Queries. You got it. All right. So this is Bruce Ryan. Hey, what's up, gents? Bruce from Virginia here. I'm wondering what happens to all the heat and energy emitted from stars. Is it actually heating up the universe? Or does it just travel until it hits something and then that something absorbs that heat? And then what happens when that heat is I absorbed? love it. Okay, so both of those happen. So what happens is the heat generated from a star goes out in the form of photons of light. Right. Okay. And that will travel until it hits something else, and then it gets absorbed. Mm -hmm. So you'd think it would just be this, this tennis match going on back and forth. However, in the expanding universe, the energy of the photon is diluted into the space that has been expanded for it. Mm -hmm. So the energy, the total energy, okay, the total energy is still there, but it's diluted. So another, if you have a, a so have a box of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Now I take that energy and spread it into a box twice that size. Right. It's the same amount of energy, but the energy intensity is now half in each place. Now make the box a thousand times as large. Right. That energy is all spread out. The energy intensity is dropped by a factor of a thousand. Add it all up, you'll recover all the energy you began with, but the energy density is thinner. And as the universe expands, the energy density drops, and so the temperature of the universe drops. And right now, we're three degrees Kelvin, three degrees absolute on the scale, and it's dropping. Look at that. Wow. That's… Uh, that's... By the way, the James Webb Space Telescope, right. part of why we put it where it is, is that it's far away from Earth, so Earth, it's a million miles from Earth, and it only ever points away from the sun. And it has these baffles that will absorb sunlight that hits it, but re-radiate it back to the sun. A little bit moves through, and we have another baffle that will absorb it and re-radiate back to the sun. And so we have four or five of these layers. And each layer, less and less of the sun's heat energy, makes it through to shield the telescope from any um, infrared energy that could hit it from the sun. Hmm. By shielding away the sun, it drops into equilibrium with deep space. James Webb Coppertone. That's so <laughs> Yeah, I guess you can consider I guess it is kind like sunscreen. sunscreen. Right. It's sunscreen. Yeah. It's 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 a cosmic sunscreen. Cosmic Thank you, Chuck, for that for that analogy. Yeah. And and so in by doing so, the sun, which is relatively close to it, all things considered will not then heat it up. And so any heat that's in it, it'll just radiate back out into space. So uh, this is the thermodynamics of technology and engineering and in the universe itself. That yeah. is cool. All right. Man, we're getting through a lot today. I, yeah, look, keep I, I it coming. I can't believe it. All right. Keep it coming. This is Cameron Bishop. He says, hey, Neil. Hey, Chuck. I like to think that if I waved at the night sky, someone out there, in the distant past, is waving back. Now, in the last century, we have gone from stars might have planets to stars on average have lots of planets. If you run the numbers, the amount of planets out there is huge. 
given that we exist, is not it fair to say that with life here on Earth in one hand and the amount of planets in the universe on the other hand, that life is statistically likely in the universe? And what sort of implications does that have? Either scientifically or philosophically. Mm. The day we discover life in the universe will signal a change in the human condition that we cannot foresee or imagine. Mm. Yes, it is highly likely that life is thriving elsewhere in the universe, not out of wishful thinking, Mm -hmm. but we're made of the most common ingredients in the universe. So whatever life was doing on Earth, it was highly opportunistic, A. B, life got going almost as fast as it possibly could have. Within 100 million years, this sounds like long, but it's short on the timescale of Earth. Mm -hmm. Within 100 million years, we went from organic molecules, which are plentiful in the universe, to self-replicating life. And the universe is old. So you combine how long, how much time we've had, how quickly Earth managed to create life, how resourceful life is, and to assert that we're alone in the universe can only be done based on some philosophy that has no foundation in science. Wow. Look at that. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. That's it. And so if you wave, surely someone is waving back. Somebody waving back. That's it. And that and your wave is not going to get to them right. for you know a hundred or a thousand light you know years traveling at the speed of light. What I do every time I'm out and I have my laser, I flash it at a star that's in the night sky, like a like a pulse, and then I turn it off. So that there's a length of light. So if you leave the light on for one second, right, there's a beam that's 186,000 miles long. Right. Okay. And so that is on its way to that to that star and maybe to a planet. That is see it. so cool. Yeah. That so, is so it's my it's my space graffiti. There you go. I say Neil is here. And and so when when they show up so I want to get picked up. I want I want I'm to be say alien. when they show up and they're just like we saw your green signal and you Neil will be like well, say, well, who the hell's been waking us up right, in the middle exactly. of the night? We saw the signal. Oh, that was our, that was our man Neil. Uh, yes, and by the way, you are now all serving our god, Flarm. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Chuck desperately wants to write a screenplay. That's clear. Right. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool, though, if like they landed and they were on their version of what we had as the Crusades. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Except that they do it on an intergalactic basis. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. Tyler J says, hello, Dr. Tyson. Hi, Chuck. Now, where, do they say where they're from? I always Tyler did. Sometimes oh, okay. they do. By the way, Cameron, who just asked that last question, was from the UK. I did not mention that. Was from that. the UK. Okay. Tyler J does not say where he's from. Hi, Dr. Tyson. Hey, Chuck. Uh, what options are there to resolve the crisis in cosmology? I heard that new data from James Webb Space Telescope has further separated the two values we have for the Hubble constant. Yeah. Yeah, this crisis is... By the way, when when I was coming of age, I mean, astrophysically, uh, we didn't know the size of the universe to within a factor of two. Mm -hmm. The size or the age of the universe. Right. So within a factor of two. Right. To show you how precise modern cosmology has become, we are now arguing over... A 10% difference between two numbers. Wow. And the reason why it's called a crisis 
is each of those two numbers is precisely known so that there, there, the, the error bars, the, you know, the uncertainties do not overlap. Right. So that's, even though they're close to each other, especially compared to when I was in school, they don't overlap. And so it's called a crisis in cosmology. And crisis, I think, overstates it. It's, a, it's an unsolved problem. Right. Every unsolved problem is not a crisis. Exactly. It's just an unsolved problem. Right. And uh, somebody's wrong. Okay. That's Period. it. So th and there's the <laughs> answer. Somebody <laughs> is wrong. And 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 no, or you're measuring two different things and you think it's the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah, you can measure the tail of an elephant to the blind man and the feet and the tusks and the trunk and you could tell each other that each the other person is wrong. But maybe you're measuring the same thing but in different parts in different right. ways. And collectively, you all are describing one object, and it's the elephant. Exactly. Exactly. You're both describing the universe, but maybe mm -hmm. you came at it from different, different sides, sides of the elephant. Look at that. Yeah. that no, I'm not worried about it. It's, mm. It makes good headlines. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. Wow. Yes. James Webb will help us address this. Yes. That's fantastic. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, okay. By the way, I think in Cosmic Queries, we do talk about the crisis. Yes. The cosmic, uh, I think it's in there. In the, in the future the crisis of the universe. Of cosmology. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called a tension. It's called a cosmic tension. Tension between these two different measurements. So again, in, co in Cosmic Queries, I hate to sound like an ad for the book, but yeah, I mean, it is an ad for the book. We put a lot of effort into that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A crisis mm -hmm. in cosmology. Not to be confused with the crisis in cosmetology. Okay. okay. <laughs> Which is... Okay. How dare you put that eyeshadow with that lip color? Mm, mm, mm. No, no, you know what the crisis in cosmetology is? I wrote about this in, in, in Starry Messenger. Okay. It's an alien comes to visit, and uh, they see yes. that people with, with straight hair curl it. People with curly, curly hair, hair straighten right, their right. hair. People who are short wear heels. Uh -huh. People who, uh, if they're body is not, the muscles aren't big enough, they try to make them bigger. If there's something else about their body, they'll, they'll change it. They, they, they do all these things. And so the aliens will say, you guys must deeply believe that you are irreconcilably ugly. Right. Given how much money is spent on the beauty industrial complex. They, uh, they'd be right. <laughs> They'd be right. They'd be right. If They'd they be right. If they were to make those uh, assessments, because they're not even assumptions, they're just right. assessments. Yeah. yeah, you got the you got you've got eyelash thickener. Right. Why you don't like your eyelashes? Mm -hmm. You got uh, um, a powder on your cheeks. Why you're, you you don't like the color of your cheeks? Mm -hmm. You 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 know. It's so, true. It's true. Well, you got you got paint around your eye your eyelids, mm -hmm. and a, you don't like the color of your what? So. Yeah, they'll run back home and say there's no sign of intelligent life on Earth. Plus, they all think they're ugly. Well, you, right. you might think I think I'm ugly. Maybe I just think I'm fabulous. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chuck, I don't think we have time for any more. Throw one more. If I have time, I'll do it. Okay, let me, just, let me find something very quick. I'm going to just... You don't know how quick my answer is going to be? Well, I'm going to make it a quick question. That okay, way, good. Okay, so here we go. Hello, Neil and Chuck from NAU and Flagstaff. I was wondering if you've heard or know about the idea of black hole stars. 
I've seen videos taking this hypothetical star that has an insane mass and it could explain black holes in the middle of galaxies. I asked you this question, I didn't even realize, in a weird, a few weeks ago. But any thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah, I don't know what a black hole star would be other than just a star that became a black hole. Exactly. Right, I don't know. So, you know, but no, what very you, clear what you told me is that we know of nothing that has the mass that would create the black holes that we see at the center of galaxies. Oh, correct. Yeah, that's still a, that's an unknown. We don't know what phenomenon is necessary right. to funnel mass to whatever black hole began there for it to become, to have hundreds of millions of times the, the mass of the sun. Right. It's, it's still, and James Webb is going to help us figure that figure out. Figure that out. That's all. It's so a frontier. There, there you go. And, and notice I'm not calling it a crisis. It's just something we don't understand Exactly. Yet. That's right. right. We don't get all emotional about it. It's I, just, let's work on it. Right, so there you go. Pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. <laughs> you can get through this. You can get through this, man. Pull yourself together. <laughs> well, hey, thanks, all right, Chuck, that's all, we got, that's all we got time for. That's it. Oh, I love grab bags. Those are fun. Yeah, always. Okay. So yeah, much fun. Yeah. Have some Aquarius. Grab bag. Chuck, always good to have you. There. Always a pleasure. Neil deGrasse Tyson here for Star Talk Cosmic Queries. He's looking at Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.